today we want to talk about the gospel and what we're going to do in this video is compare the gospel, focus in on what the gospel of uh, the World Mission Society Church of God, let's just call it Church of God again in this video to save our lungs. Um, so we're going to pair their gospel basically to what the gospel of Jesus is, the gospel of Paul, the gospel of Peter, the gospel of, of the Bible. Um, and so I think we want to say up front that as we're talking about this, I think we're all in agreement that we do this not in a way to attack or to uh, to try to go after certain individuals. We're not just interested in debate, but but I think a big concern for us is the people that are being led astray by this group and people who they're they're twisting the scriptures as they're teaching them and drawing them in to to join their group. Um, and and so we want to provide resources to where people people who are maybe thinking about joining, who have gone to the church can, if you're looking into this more, you can come and listen to some of the things that we have to say and, and see why you should have some big red flags um, when, you, when you compare what the Bible says to what they're, they're telling you. And so, so again, we're doing this uh, out of love. We want to, you know, we, we love what Paul uh, and Peter, I think they talk about when you're, when you're doing this sort of thing to do it with gentleness and respect, when you're giving an answer for the reason for the hope that is in you, you know, do it with, do it with boldness, but do it also gently and respectfully. And so we hope we can do that as we're making these. Um, and, and again, we hope that this is a resource for both, both those people who are being drawn into the church and then those who are in it. We hope that you will, if you're in the church, you're involved in it, you'll at least sit and uh, we don't have to convert you, but at least sit and listen to what we have to say here and, and listen to uh, some of the things that the Bible has to say about what your church is teaching. So, so again, we're going to talk about the gospel today. Um, and so we want to start out with uh, Galatians um, 1, 6 through 9. This kind of summarizes a little bit of what we're going to kind of be focused in on today. So um, who wants to read that? Go for it. I got it. I got it. All right. One, six through nine. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but that there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. So when you read that, what does that immediately make you think of, Shem, in <coughs> regards to what we're about to talk about? It's really interesting. Um, that verse really, I think, is uh, the foundation and goes right along with what so many other verses in the New Testament talk about. There's this predominant warning that we see throughout the New Testament from Peter, from Paul writing to different people, to Timothy, to uh, the Colossians, to uh, here, to the Galatians. Mm -hmm. And this predominant warning idea is that the end times are going to be characterized by a departure from the faith. We're, we're teaching you this. This is, you know, shortly after the time of Christ. So this is now uh, 2,000 years ago. They're teaching the gospel uh, and, and what Christ proclaimed. And they've got this message uh, that they're, they're teaching, this historical facts they're proclaiming. 
And what, again, the overwhelming warning is, listen, people are gonna be departing from this and, and this is gonna happen. You guys gotta be ready, you gotta be on your guard. Uh, you gotta watch against this. Watch from this falling away from the gospel. Watch from this giving yourself over to other ideas and other beliefs um, and being tricked. He, he uses that terminology, being, being deceived from the simplicity that is in, in Christ. And again, you just see that warning again and again and again um, of, of falling away and being pulled away and swayed from what you already have received, which is the gospel. And, and nowhere do we get this idea that the end times will be characterized by a restoration of the truth, right? That the truth is going to be lost, but then don't worry, there's going to be someone who will come in the end times. Um, and this is more than just the World Mission Society Church. This is really... Yeah. Most of the cults, yeah. which had this mindset of historical Christianity, was it was gone, it was wiped out, and then so and so comes and restores it, right? With this idea, with this new teaching, with this uh, here's where you went wrong, here's the idea, and here's the the new thing you guys need to do. Here's the new belief for you that you need to believe in. And so, uh, anytime you have that sort of mentality where someone's telling you that um, there's something new that the church doesn't have, there's some new thing. I would be weary of that, yeah. uh, just because again, I think the, the predominant warning is, is a departure from the truth, not a restoration of the truth. And he was saying this in the first century already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. yeah, it's interesting about that. Like you said, that the prophecies about the end times was that there would be people falling away from the gospel. Um, that's such a huge thing, like you're talking about so consistently uh, Paul talks about that. Jesus obviously talks about that. Jude and Peter. But you never see them say the entire truth is going to be lost. Right. And then after that, there will be a restoration of it. But that's somehow that's what all these groups seem to teach. But but here Paul says that. So what, what that verse says, though, is that there is a gospel that has been given. There is a gospel that Jesus and Paul and the apostles gave to the church, to the believers. And so that that really is what I think first we want to start out and we're going to, we're going to take a couple points, some of their main points of what the gospel looks like to this church, to the church of God. And then we're going to contrast it to what the Bible says about those things. Um, but we have a standard for what the gospel is. And that's what Paul's told them is you have the standard. Um, and so, so that's what we're comparing. He, he says it right there. He says, we've given you this certain gospel. It looks a certain way. It contains a certain message and any other message that comes. It doesn't matter if an angel brings it. So basically he's trying to stress it doesn't matter who it comes from, where it comes from, how it comes. It's not right if it's not the same gospel that you've already received. And so that's why we know, okay, well, that's a simple way to test what the church of God teaches. And now we have a, we have a test. It's simple. We can know what did the, they teach and what, what is the church of God teaching? What did Paul teach? What is the church of God teaching? So, so let's do that. Um, so one of the main things, what, what, talk about, Jesse, some of the main points that you've, as you've looked into it, some of the main points that stick out about what their gospel is. Like what are some of the, the main focuses of the, to this group um, that would be different to you uh, than what the gospel is to us? Yeah, yeah. So with our interactions with them, it's um, right off the bat, it's very clear. It's uh, you have to keep the Sabbath. The feast, uh, you hear a lot of more work-based, um, be here on this certain time, this is your salvation. And we heard from uh, one of the leaders 
near us in a church tell us from his mouth that we were not saved because we weren't keeping the feast. So right off the bat, that's if we continue in Galatians, Galatians 5, uh, for freedom for freedom, Christ has set us free. And Paul goes on to say, um, if you l- look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. So Paul's already warning these people, if these Judaizers who are saying, Yes, he's the answer, but if you just, you have to do this also. You have to still honor some of this old stuff that he, some of these laws and covenants he made with our people. You have to accept it. So that's what I'm hearing when I'm being told the actual Sabbath is on Saturday and um, the church has corrupted this and made it all up. Um, all I'm hearing is work-based, that I have to earn it, I have to do this on the right day or I have no salvation. So what they're robbing the gospel of is the freedom in Christ that Paul's saying right here. It's for freedom he sets you free. It's not for you to take on all these laws. Um, so that was the first, one of the first things we talked with him about. So, so we have the feast. That's a, yeah, that's a big deal with them. It's in, in the Church of God, their mentality is that uh, keeping the feasts, celebrating the feasts is, is really, it's a necessary for salvation. If we aren't doing that, then we can't be saved. That it's keeping those feasts are part of getting our forgiveness. Like it's, it's, it's doing those things that does it. And so the Passover seems like the one they mainly emphasize. Um, and that's what you were talking about, right? You had the, so we have a, a quote actually about what they say about the Passover and the importance of the Passover to them and their view. And so I think we'll, we'll, he'll read this quote and then we'll talk about that. So uh, what they say here, and this is taken directly from uh, one of their websites, says in the Old Testament, God protected his people from their enemies and gave them many physical blessings when they kept the Passover. In the New Testament, God commands his people to celebrate the new covenant Passover to grant them spiritual blessings, the forgiveness of sins, eternal life, and the promise to return to the kingdom of heaven. During the new covenant Passover, Jesus promised his body and blood for the forgiveness of sins. Jesus established the Passover for his people, for those who believe in Christ. And then this is the, the, the big part here. The importance of the Passover goes beyond the forgiveness of sins. It is the only way to receive eternal life in order to enter heaven. So it's not as subtle as you talk about this workspace mentality we get when speaking with them. You certainly get that in your conversations. And then you start to look into their teachings and ask them specific questions. And it's not so subtle anymore. It turns into a very direct and blunt statement about if you don't keep the Passover in the way that we prescribe it on the day we prescribe that you do it on, you are not saved. That is part of, as I said, this goes beyond the forgiveness of sins. This is how you get eternal life through um, through keeping their Passover. Yeah. So respond to that, Chris. I want to hear what your thoughts are on that. When you hear, you hear them saying something like that about the significance of the Passover, what does that make you feel? What does that make you think of biblically and scripturally? Um, let's see. Well, like, if I'm being approached by one of these individuals or even going to their church, and then they're telling me that um, it, everything that they say is Jesus at first, and then they add something to it. You're going to, need, you're going to need to, every other church is not doing this one extra thing. And so if you're not doing this thing apart from Jesus, um, then you can't be saved. And so my question then is to them, 
please show me where in scripture that we have to, that this is mandated apart from Jesus Christ, because that's what, what he was saying, that, mm-hmm. uh, that this is something we need to do in order mm-hmm. to be saved. Because everything as a whole, uh, especially in the New Testament, points to Jesus is the only way, and that there is no other means or heaven by which man must be yeah. saved. And yeah. so when I, when I, that's how I refute that. And just ask them, you know, something simple like that yeah. and then see what their response is. Right. So you're saying, you're saying they say the Passover is required for salvation. You're saying a good question to ask, obviously, is show me that in the Bible. Where does the Bible say that? So Jesse, where do they get that? Where does that idea come from? And if you do ask them, because they're going to have an answer for it. So what is their answer going to be? You say, where do you get in the Bible that Passover is necessary for salvation? So you, uh, Shem, hopefully you have the actual reference, but what is it, Luke? Luke, um, anywhere where you see Jesus implement the Passover, end of Matthew, end of Luke, um, they turn to one of those. I think Luke is the one they turn to when when I spoke with him. But yeah, Luke 22, uh, like 14 through 23 is where you see that Jesus institutes the Lord's Supper. And Jesus saying the words, this is my new covenant. Um, Obviously, if you read that in context with the Bible and what it's talking about, that he was the, he's the Passover lamb and that this bread is my body, this, this wine is my blood. But uh, what we have been told by them is that he says, this is my new covenant. And he's doing this with them. So that's his new covenant. So we were told Jesus right there said, this is my new covenant. So therefore you have to honor what he was doing in that moment um, or else you don't have salvation. So keeping the Passover to them, again, keeping the Passover yes. is obviously a huge deal required for salvation and forgiveness. And what that looks like for them is communion. Yes. It's yeah. it's pretty much the same thing as Christian a Christian communion yes. service would look like, right? But on a, on a day that I think they will not tell you unless you're a part of the church. It's, it's on a day that they keep the Passover and from, yeah, they won't let you know that until you become part of the church. Then you know the secret day that we're supposed to keep it, okay. that the whole church is doing wrong, apparently. All right, so just talk about then, they use that, what was that reference, Luke? Luke 22, like 14 through 23 is the whole section. They would actually, another one they would point to is in Matthew where Jesus, uh, uh, told his disciples to uh, prepare the Lord's Supper uh, because he, he really desired to to have it with them. And they would point to that as well, that really if Jesus did it, we're yeah. supposed to do what Jesus did. We're supposed to imitate what he did. So that's another one they'd point to. Right. So basically their argumentation looks like this. It's Jesus was our example when, when he was on the earth, right? And, and it sounds, you know, it's like they actually... It, it's uh, it kind of goes back to what I think we were talking about last time, where there's there's a really subtle deception yes. in the way that they communicate things, and it's really crafty. Um, but so they'll they'll say something like this, like Jesus was our example, right, when he was on the earth, and it's like, well, a good Christian's going to say, yeah. yeah, and okay, well, uh, Jesus then showed us by the things he did what we should do, right, and and so that's kind of their their really silly argument when you stop and think about that because Jesus did a lot of things uh, besides keeping the Passover that that we're obviously not expected to do. Jesus, uh, you know, I mean, he rode a donkey into Jerusalem or when he kept the Passover, he was in Jerusalem and and stuff like that. And so Jesus did a lot of things that if we were really going to take their argument as they say it is and apply it fully, then it would look a lot different than even what they're doing. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. You know, there's this idea of, uh, and I'm not the person who said this, someone 
this has been said a lot, but when you're reading the Bible, you got to look at where is there a description describing the events that happened, describing history, describing how Paul did this or Jesus did this, and then where is there a prescription, meaning we also ought to do that, right? And so we might read the story of David committing adultery with Bathsheba. If you read that as a prescription, yeah. that's a problem, right? Yeah, yeah. We're not supposed to imitate that. We're not supposed to follow that. And uh, so, so when it talks about Jesus keeping the Passover, none of us are saying don't keep the Passover yeah. by any means, right? We do that uh, in, in our body. And, and Paul actually talks about as often as you, as you come together, right? Yeah. Celebrate. It's why we do it. Exactly. And it's it's does this earn us anything, which is where they're saying. But what's really interesting, if you look at where Jesus uh, institutes this, Luke chapter 22, verse 19, Jesus says, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me, not do this in order to gain salvation, in order, order to earn your way into, into heaven. Yeah, I agree with that. The in remembrance of me is important because every time we take communion or that they take uh, they do the Passover. If you look at in Old Testament, the the reason they kept doing that yeah. is remembrance of what God did for them. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, same thing with with us when we're taking communion or when they're taking Passover. It's in remembrance of what Jesus has done by pouring out His blood and sacrificing His life. Yeah. It's not about uh, doing these things. Um, and if you take away the remembrance portion of it, then it would become a thing that they believe in. But we're doing it because we love the Lord. Yeah, yeah. And we want right. to remember His sacrifice. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So we're like, not doing it to gain yeah, salvation. Not to gain yeah. yeah, Other than just our love for the Lord, we want to never forget how important that was. Yeah, that's what good. He did for us. That's yeah. Good. yeah, and then in John 19, for these things took place that the Scripture might be fulfilled. Not one of His bones will be broken. And we know what that's from. Is uh, we're talking about what happened in Exodus with the Passover and they're doing it in remembrance of God's provision and taking care of them. Um, so then in the Gospels, we're already seeing it saying, this is why this is happening. It's a fulfillment of scripture. It's a fulfillment of these shadows of the Messiah and it's now happening. So I think in all of that, like basically what we want to do here is we want to give an answer to if you're in a conversation with these guys, right? If any of us or anybody watching it comes into a conversation with these guys and they bring this up and they say, why aren't you keeping the Passover? Look, it's Jesus said, this is the new covenant, right? And so you have to keep this to be saved. Well, I think I think going back to what Shem said really kind of hits it where, where it's the description versus prescription. Yeah. And so there's certain things that the Bible describes uh, that Jesus did, but but Jesus or Paul or the apostles never go and take that and say, now you you do this too. You make sure you do this. And sometimes they do. And with the Passover, actually, they did. You know that Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. But but he didn't. When Paul describes the gospel, when he pr describes what it takes to be justified and to be made righteous before God, uh, it simply says, uh, like Abraham, that our faith is credited to us as righteousness apart from the works of the law. And so so and. It, uh, to sum that up, a good way to reply to this when they, when they say, um, well, look, Jesus, Jesus said this is the new covenant. You have to do this to be saved would just be to simply ask, 
Well, yeah, that describes Jesus doing that, and he told us to do it in remembrance of him, but where did he say, do this, or you cannot be saved? Where did Paul ever take that and apply it and say, do this for your justification? Why did he not bring that up when he was in the middle of dis- talking about and discussing justification and righteousness and forgiveness of sins? This should have been something he brought up at some point in the middle of that discussion, if this was a requirement for salvation, but he did not. And so ask them... Uh, you know, I think, again, Shim brought up a good point. We see David committing adultery with Bathsheba, and we see that we see many other things described in the Bible, but we don't take those and say just because it was described in the Bible that it's what God wants us to do necessarily, or it's what is required for salvation. And uh, I know there's a difference between that story and what happened with Jesus, uh, because Jesus does tell us to do it. But, but he tells us to do it, like you were saying, Chris, in remembrance of him and love for him, not to earn something from him. And if, one more thing for people listening that are having contact with these people, I think, and we were talking about this earlier, is Acts 15. I think that's a really good one to go to because what we're seeing is Gentiles, uh, Jews and Gentiles who have come to know Christ as the Messiah, but then Jews are thinking, well, well what do we tell these Gentiles to do now? Like, do they... Do they keep honoring all these feasts and Passover and all this stuff? Do they do this with us? So then they they literally go to Jerusalem and they figure this answer out and they come back and the answer is no. That it's we don't want to put any burden on them. This is the deal. Just and the things they name are actually pre-law. It's just stuff that is obvious. Stuff to idols, sexual immorality, things with blood still in them are strangled. Like that's not. So I think that's a really good one to go to with these guys. Is um, these are Gentiles that literally had come to be born again in Christ Jesus, and what they're being told to do as they carry on the rest of this life is not honor the Passover. Do you have that? Yeah, yeah. I'll go to it real quick. Like, do not regard one man's um, where he talks about the festivals. And, mm. and, Yep, meaning these things, where's that at? Romans 14, yeah. So in Acts 15, it's, uh, so 28, here's the answer. They've, they've gone up to Jerusalem, they came back, they have the answer for these guys. This is what they say. For it has seemed good to the Holy Spirit, so it's seemed good to God and to us to lay on you no greater burden than these requirements, that you abstain from what has been sacrificed to idols, from blood and from what has been strangled and from sexual immorality. If you keep yourselves from these, you will do well farewell like that's it those were the last instructions to these guys as you continue your walk in christ it wasn't make sure you do the passover honor these seven feasts you need to get this day right or else it's bad luck man sorry it's over so so is the simplest that's the simplicity of the gospel right there where you go back to paul in galatians where he says i've given you a certain message and that message is Christ and you're complete in Christ and in him and through faith in his name, you have the forgiveness of sins, you have righteousness. And so when anybody comes along and says, well, yeah, we, Jesus is great, but you better be doing these things too. You know, Jesus is great, but also you got to be keeping the Passover. When you do that, you're immediately detracting from who the revelation of who Jesus is and who he says he is. And you're, you're taking little parts of, he says, he's one thing. Jesus says, I am everything. I am the truth. I am the life. I myself alone in one place, in one person, I am everything, right? I'm, I am your righteousness, your sanctification, your redemption. That's 1 Corinthians 30, I think. And uh, again, Paul and Colossians saying, you are complete in him. Yes. If, if you're complete in Jesus, 
what does that leave room for, right? Exactly. If you're complete in one place and another translation says in Christ, you've been filled. And so if something's filled, that means it can't hold anything else. And so Jesus, when we have Jesus alone, there's no, nothing else can fit yep. because God has given us everything in him. And so I think that's what that's getting at is, is like, again, what Paul uh, preemptively uh, knew in Galatians is that people will come and, and they're going to come and they're going to add to the simplicity of the gospel. And he says, if they do that, and if they come to you with something that's different than, than the simple message of Christ that I brought to you, you can know it's wrong. And he has harsh language for them. He doesn't just say, uh, he, he says, let them be accursed, you know, anathema, like eternally condemned, I think is if you follow out what he's saying, let them, let the wrath of God basically be on them. It's a serious deal. And so, so there's a way to lovingly discuss this and to lovingly correct it. So that's the, the, the Passover. Let's maybe uh, go to 1 Corinthians 5, 7. Um, that's a good one. So, so in 1 Corinthians 5, 7, I think this is a pretty good place to go in, in uh, finding out what it means for believers. Obviously, again, Jesus did tell us to to keep the Passover, you know, or not to keep the Passover, but to, you know, to, to in remembrance of him to, you know, the communion of, of remembering him by eating the bread and the, the, the wine that is representative of his flesh and his blood. Um, again, like Chris said, that's a, uh, what, what is that? Why, why do we do that as believers? Why do we, uh, you know, when you guys do that, why do you do that? Are you doing that, you know, to earn something? Do you feel like when you do that, you're becoming more righteous? Talk about that. Yeah, no, certainly not. Um, you know, it's. I think even Christians sometimes struggle with that. Like they're trying to sit there and like work up a feeling or work up a like oh, you know, trying to yeah. get chills or something when they do that. And uh, the Lord has at times spoken to me in those moments of partaking in communion in deeper ways. But the reality is we do it for the specific reason Jesus said, yeah. do this in remembrance of me. It's a remembrance and a declaration that. I am covered by the blood of Christ. He paid the penalty for my sin. And we're doing this also in proclamation and remembrance that his kingdom is on its way. That's a piece I think we often forget as Christians that's specifically mentioned in there is Jesus says, I'm not going to do this again until the kingdom of God comes. And uh, it's a declaration of what happened. It's also a looking forward to Christ's return and the fullness of his kingdom coming. But it's not a goosebumpy, like I got to get some mystical sort of something going and I'm earning something. And, and by doing this, I've now got a, a, an extra percentage of righteousness. You know, it's just a simple declaration, remembrance. Jesus died. He paid the penalty for me. Really, I think when you think about that, it's to get back to the simplicity of the gospel, right? Yes. Let's not get away from the gospel. Let's not get away from the gospel. We're going to do this again and again and again because we don't want to get away from the gospel, the simplicity of the gospel. And so we do it over and over and over and over back so that we don't lose sight of what, what the gospel is all about. Yeah. Yeah, we don't lose sight of his sacrifice yeah. for us. Yeah. Um, when we take communion or Passover. Yeah. And so that our focus at that moment is Jesus' sacrifice, him taking our place and dying for all of us. Yeah. It's really the exact opposite yeah. of what they say it is. It is. It's like yeah. exactly the opposite. Yeah. If, if you're doing, if you're taking Passover in the way that they're telling you to, you're you're in direct disobedience really yeah. to what Jesus told you to do with it. Yeah. Because that's really good what you say when he told you to do it. Basically what you're, 
you're doing is you're remembering, oh wait, this isn't about me. This isn't about my efforts and my, you know, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This isn't about me figuring out how to stop being a sinner so that God can love me. This is about me remembering that while I am a sinner, while I was a sinner and while I still am a sinner, continuing in this walk as a Christian, Christ died for me and God loves me and there is no condemnation in Christ and he receives me, not because I've stopped being a sinner or I, I've figured out how to walk perfectly um, or because I'm keeping the Passover and, and I'm eating this bread and drinking this, this juice and that's somehow making God happy with me. It's not, it's just an act of remembrance. I, yeah, I'd say that I just came back from a trip with a brother who I'm, I love dearly and he, he actually helped even challenge me. Like it, we were in the plane and they bring those, you know, the snacks and the, um, the drinks and he would, any chance he can get some cranberry juice or grape juice, and if they have crackers or bread, he takes communion. And we were doing that on these planes, and it really just hit me, and so I'd even be as bold to say, this is even a drawing us back to Hebrews 4, that in him we have rest. So it is from the works, it is that, and that hit me on this plane, so that was really good for me. I'm just like, I'm not doing anything to earn this. Uh, nothing I've done today is gonna separate free me from Christ Jesus and what he's done for me. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it just gets so unhealthy when you add these works and that's what this is about. He's done everything. If you're full, there's nothing we can offer. Yeah. Remove it from the sacrificial system. Yes. Remove it from the legal religious system. Yes. That's why again, where Paul talks about the whole idea you see in his letter, I think it's to the Corinthians, is when we come together, anytime you get together with another believer, really you can break bread and eat and remember Christ together and remove it from this religious kind of structural, you have to do this in order to get to this, this point. It's just a, it's a real simple, yeah. simple yeah. thing. So I'm going to read this. And I think what's, what's going to come from this scripture I'm about to read is for one thing for us, I think this is going to summarize uh, again, this is another place where the gospel, the core of the gospel, the true gospel is summarized. And I think if we're understanding what Paul's saying here, hopefully us sitting here, we can draw this out. But I think at the same time, this is, this is a scripture I know when we've talked to them, uh, I think when we talked to them, that they actually use this to support their concept that Passover is required for salvation. And so we'll have to address both of those. But this is 1 Corinthians 5, uh, seven and eight. Um, actually, let's, let's do six through eight. So it says, you're boasting, Paul's talking to the Corinthians. Uh, remember the Corinthians were kind of a mess, uh, a lot of carnality and, and fleshliness going on. He says, your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Cleanse out the old leaven that you may be a new lump as you really are unleavened. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Let us therefore celebrate the festival, not with the old leaven, the leaven of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. So there's a lot of things in there that he explained, obviously. But right, right there in, in verse 8, the beginning there, Paul says, let us therefore celebrate the festival. That's one of, that's one of the specific uh, sentences that they brought up and said, see right there, Paul says, let us celebrate the festival. And they're like, see, Paul commanded us, keep the feast. You got to keep, so you got to keep the feast to be saved. Paul said it right there. So what do you do with that? Yep. Yeah, uh, so I would just go straight to seven again, which is yeah. Christ is our 
Passover, and it's a it's a real simple thing, uh, honestly, but it's also a deeper connection with the entirety of the Old Testament and what the whole Passover and the law and the what it was all set up and meant to do, which we find the answer is Christ is the fulfillment. He didn't come to abolish, but to fulfill the law. So Christ is our Passover lamb. And, and what does that mean? They had a Passover lamb in Exodus that they uh, slaughtered, took its blood, put it above the doorposts, then the wrath of God doesn't come upon them. The wrath of God, he, he sees the blood and says, I'm going to spare them because there's blood covering them. What is that a picture of? <laughs> Obviously, it's so clear now and what that all is representation and picture of and pointing to and fulfilled in, yeah. and that's really the key part, fulfilled in Christ dying, painting the penalty for us, and now we are covered in his blood. That's the Passover for us. And so, to again, to, to teach this idea that the Passover is the physical eating and drinking and to, in order to obtain salvation, it's to detract from what Christ did for us. It's to say it's not finished. Christ said it is finished. They're saying it's not finished. Again, um, you believe in Jesus. They talk about faith in Christ, believe in Jesus. Plus, you got to work. You got to do this. You've got to follow this system, this regulation, this this code, this whatever you want to call it, in order to get to this place. Uh, and that's pretty common with every other religion in the world, actually, yeah. except for Christianity, except for what Christ taught. So, yeah. So yeah, and. I think another thing to consider here is that this kind of, in a way, goes back to the the description prescription sort of thing, in, in a sense, because uh, right in the same in the same letter, First uh, Corinthians, Paul will make a distinction between when he's giving a commandment from the Lord and when he's he's giving his own opinion about something, or or as in this case, he just doesn't. He doesn't say either way because that's not the point. The point here is not that he's giving a commandment. The point, I mean, look at verse six where he says, your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? So what is he saying there? He's saying that the, the leaven of their, uh, their sin and the fleshliness is, is corrupting the whole church body. And so he's saying, cleanse that out. He's using a, the Passover as a spiritual analogy saying he's comparing it. He's not going and saying, okay, now go, suddenly I'm going to randomly bring up the Passover and I'm going to give you a command to, to keep the Passover just randomly in the middle of this, uh, this, this other dialogue. Um, but he's saying it's, it's like an exhortation. It's like, come on guys, let's get rid of, get rid of the sin. You know, let's keep the Passover, you know, and, and it's the, the uh, metaphorically speaking, like let's keep the Passover. And how do we do that? Well, we don't keep the Passover by eating bread and drinking juice. We keep the Passover by repenting of sin and loving Jesus and embracing what he's done for us, embracing, Jesus, like Shim saying, as our Passover, we we cleanse ourselves from the old leaven by repentance, and that's what he's constantly saying in First Corinthians. Like, what do you, don't you guys know who you are? Like, turn away from this these behaviors and turn to Jesus. So that I would say that's how we. Uh, you look like you have some thoughts on that. So I was just thinking, like, in, in that context, is that you know when he's in our remembrance when we focus on what Jesus did then we realize and then we keep from 
committing those sins like because we yeah. say wow this is what our God has done for us and then that lays that stuff down we can lay that stuff down it's even as Christians we yeah. need the gospel every day too you know so um, and and so having that Passover uh, or communion just shows us Jesus and then that's when we are released from the, what we're doing is wrong yep that's exactly it so really it's, it's like the rip uh, God's goodness has meant to lead us to repentance. So Paul here again, he's using the analogy of the Passover. He's he's setting it up. He's not saying, look guys, I'm gonna randomly bring up the Passover and now I'm randomly giving this commandment that you must keep the Passover yeah. for salvation. But he's, uh, he's saying, uh, focus in on Christ, our Passover lamb, and, and let that stir up in you a remembrance of his goodness so that you will cleanse yourself. And he even said, he says what the leaven is, and it has nothing to do with a literal, a literal bread. Um, but he says, cleanse out the, uh, the leaven of malice and evil, which is going on in this church. You see throughout, throughout the, the, the letter that there's malice and evil. And so what he's getting at, again, is not to give a commandment about an outward adherence and an outward uh, following of a he, he's not giving a commandment basically yeah, yeah he's not <laughs> the, a commandment that would then contradict his other letters right that's the, that just it just comes back to yeah. of context context and so we when you're not adding your opinion and you're not adding something into scripture and you read that as a believer you think oh Christ the Passover lamb oh the Passover this is why the Passover happened this is why we do this in remembrance of him and yeah it's not that he's stopping for three verses to command something for salvation you just have to that's stretching it and it also it just contradicts Paul so then if you're saying that then Paul's just contradicted yep so it's like yeah the context and so that's what I anybody if, if somebody's watching this video watching this dialogue and they're like what what I think we would want to say and encourage you with is that when this is brought, this passages like this are brought to you and, and they would try to deceive you and say, well, look, Paul said here, let us keep the festival is to stop, read this passage yes. and honestly ask yourself, did Paul intend this as a commandment that is necessary to keep in order to attain righteousness? Is that what the intention was? And I think when we look at this, the, the obvious answer is no, that this is not a commandment. This is, uh, this is Paul giving a, a loving exhortation to believers who are living in a, in a carnal way. They have malice and evil and sexual immorality and all sorts of stuff. And he's encouraging them to say, look at Jesus, your Passover lamb, you're sinful, or, or the things you're doing are sinful. But look at Jesus, your Passover lamb, because, because he will cleanse you and let that stir you up so that you will uh, cleanse yourself of the, the unleavened bread or the, the leavened bread of, of malice and evil. There's several other points that make up the Church of God gospel. Um, we'll probably wrap this one up with just having covered the Passover. Um, but I think we probably would all want to turn to Colossians um, 2 to maybe summarize this. And again, our hearts in this is to want to help those who are being maybe led or at the beginning stages of considering this, joining this church, maybe you're in the church. Um, I hope you will listen to, to this dialogue and know that there are, there are some severe issues theologically, biblically with, with what the Church of God teaches. Um, 
So Jesse, you probably know where I'm going, right? Yeah, 2.16. Yeah. yeah, so this is Paul talking to these guys, and he's saying, Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink, or with regard to a festival, or a new moon, or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. So it's just very clear. It's uh, as we've been saying that he, these festivals, these um, the Passover, this was all a foreshadow of the Messiah, of God coming in, completing this thing that we can't do. So then now Paul's telling these people, hey, don't let anybody judge you to this, these things that they were doing in the Old Testament, the new moon stuff and the, the Sabbath and all this. Don't let them judge you because Christ is the substance. And, I, and I, to touch on this um, with our last conversation we had with these guys, there's, there is a level um, where you have to understand when you're talking to these guys of, of either deception or they just don't want to give it up. And because we had read this a couple times and then we, were, we had heard a guy, the guy said, you have not shown me one scripture that says not to honor the Sabbath or I don't have to. And, and we had said, well, Colossians 2.16. And he said, that's not what that means. And that was the end of it. So yeah, this is, this is where it can get hard with them and you need, you need to pray and you still need to share truth, but you need to, uh, it, it was interesting for me to see that level of deception uh, when it's so clearly Paul's like, don't let anybody judge you because that was a foreshadow of Christ. He's the substance. Yep. 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 So that pretty much sums it up where we see there, we see the, this church saying the gospel equals keeping festivals yeah and honoring the festivals um, and, and, in, and in order to gain forgiveness and to get you know, full salvation, uh, you have to keep the festivals. And then Paul's saying, don't let anybody judge you for keeping the festivals or not keeping the festivals. So you can, as a Christian, we have the freedom. If you want to keep the festivals and, and remember and acknowledge the spiritual application in doing that, like you have total freedom, we all do. But as, as far as somebody coming and saying, you must do this, or you cannot be forgiven, that's exactly what Paul is writing toward here in Colossians and Galatians and other places. And so, so that's, that's a place where you need to, to uh, walk away yeah. from that very quickly. And even I would think, make that known to them, actually. Yeah. I think that would be wise to not get argumentative. You love them in gentleness and say, hey, um, I feel like this is very clear and I'm not the one having to, to make up you know, crazy sleight of hand arguments, it's on your side. And just, yeah, just challenge them to say, I challenge you to, to read this on your own and really say, yep. is that what that's saying? Definitely, yeah. yeah. So world, the church of God equals do things plus Jesus. The gospel is Jesus, receive him yes. because he's enough. Mm -hmm.